This message I preached on this text, a PM service 11 years ago. God runs me by this stuff again. I'm like, you know, right, right. I've preached so much of the Bible, there's almost nothing I've preached that isn't in some way something I've done before. But yet, none of them are exactly the same. But they better be close. They better be close. Because truth is repeatable. And the law of teaching is repetition builds learning. And that's why we memorize scripture. And that's why we, we quote stuff. And that's why we go over it, because we need it, man. That's why we sing some of these same songs. I've sung some of these songs since I've been uh, three years old. Like your little kid. And it's in my soul. It's in my bones. Jeremiah 15.1 says, Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 14 and verse 20. Though these three men... Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, that is, in the land. They should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. Ezekiel 14, 20 says, Though Noah, Daniel, and Job, a repetition of the three, were in the land, or were in it, as I, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, but shall deliver their own souls by their righteousness. In essence, in both books, God is pronouncing judgment on his people for their waywardness. And the judgment is so absolute, there's no wiggle room, that he tries to get the point across to them by using characters and people that, have, that are highly honored in their history. And he uses these five Maybe most honored. If you make this list of five, you've been honored by God. I mean, there's no doubt about it. In fact, if your name's in the Bible at all, you've been honored by God. And he says Moses, which some would argue is the chief individual of the Old Testament. Some argue Abraham, some argue Moses. Samuel, Noah, and who doesn't know Noah knows anything about the Bible? Daniel, nothing bad said about Daniel in the Bible at all. And Job. So he uses these characters to say, even if they were there, the, the judgment I'm pronouncing upon Israel and my people, I'm going to do it. And even if these five people were there, they would only save themselves. I would only spare them because of their life and their faith in me and their living. For, their, their family, I would not spare. Their kids, their wives, their family would not be spared. They would go into judgment. Now, how in the world do you drive God to that place? What in the world do you do that drives God, who loves you and gave himself for you, Jesus Christ? Nobody loves you like God loves you. Nobody. When, when all this dust settles, called history, it's going to be very clear that nobody loved man like God loved man. Point of truth there is, 
their sin was commingling with the heathen and mixing the things of God with the world, which is a classic and repeated failure of God's people throughout history, even today. The amalgamation, the intermixing of Christianity with the world creates a monster that God hates and will judge. Jeremiah 15, he uses the illustration to, to just show his determination as well as Ezekiel. But I had to ask the question, why these five men? Because I don't know if it tweaks you like it did me. When I read those verses, I think, wow, to be on that list. Huh? You want to be on that list? I mean, I'm not on that list, and you're not, we didn't live. But I mean, in history, to be on that list. Woo! And you know, when I first went over this and God, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about it, I got down on my knees and said, God, I want to be one of these five. I realize this is past, but there's reasons why these five were picked by God to use, and I want to give those five reasons briefly this morning. The first reason is that all five of these men stood alone. They were willing to stand against the current of their day. You'll never be considered by God a great person or a great person with him, unless you're willing to stand for him against the rest of the world, against every other opinion. In Job 1.8, he says, Job was willing to stand alone. He says of Job in 1.8, there's none like him in all the earth. A perfect and upright man, one that feareth God, escheweth or hates evil. And Noah, obviously you know Noah was... Uh, one of the whole world, possibly according to very, very good sources, scientific sources. There could have been up to 25 billion people lived before the flood. There was no sea, all land. Climate was more, more uh, um, comfortable, more uh, conducive. And very likely way, way, way more people. And so Noah was found grace in the eyes of the Lord out of the whole earth. The Bible says Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Bingo. Moses, obviously, he stood alone, right? Out of a whole generation of Israelites, some two and a half million of them, God chose Moses to lead them out. And Moses had to stand alone to the place where even his own people, when he presented that he was going to take them, he was going to go before Pharaoh and take them out of that God's right hand and power was going to be demonstrated and take them out of Egypt. They opposed him in some degree at first, and then of course Pharaoh, the he's a superpower of the day. Nobody, nobody would make war with Egypt at that time. They were the superpower of the day. He stood against them all. Reminds me of Martin Luther standing against the whole Catholic Church. One guy. One guy. By the way, Martin Luther was a Catholic. He was a monk that spent his whole life studying the languages and studying the Bible, you know, squirreled away 
in a monastery and when he began to read the book of Romans and began to look at what was going on today, he says what the Bible says and what the Catholic Church is doing are two different things. And he challenged them in 99 areas that they were wrong and the Bible was right. What I'm amazed about old Martin Luther, he didn't get killed. The whole Catholic Church, back then especially, they were pretty ruthless about the way they dealt with people that objected to them. They could make you taller. Samuel. So we got Job, Noah, Moses, Samuel. Samuel stood alone in the midst of a totally corrupt and, and, and crooked uh, priesthood. Eli and his wicked sons in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, verse 17. By the way, it says Eli, uh, his sons were sons of Belial. They did not know the Lord. The, son, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, and the men, the, the men abhor the offering of the Lord. Why do people that abhor God get in the ministry? Why? It's true today as this is true then. These men, they abhorred the Lord, yet they were priests into the tabernacle. And they were having sex with the women who came by, and they were... They were corrupt and they were taking money from people that brought the Lord's offering and embezzling from God, as it were. They were wicked men. Why is it? This is awful crude if I say it, but I want to say it. And I'll try to say it as sweetly as possible. Doo-doo rises to the top. For some reason, corruption wants to get into leadership. That's what they call the deep state. When a bunch of corruption gets into leadership, they begin to make things the way they want to make it and do the things they want to do, and they don't any longer represent the people. They dominate the people. It's historically repeated over and over. Everywhere you get a group of people together, and it was in the priesthood it was that way. He stood alone, Samuel, Samuel, a kid, stood alone against them, was considered one of the greatest priests of the Old Testament. Then we have the fifth one, Daniel. Most of you know about Daniel from Sunday school and reading the Bible. He stood alone against his captors. Uh, his captors had come in. They had taken Jerusalem. They had slaughtered the people of Jerusalem, broken down the walls, burnt the entire city. Very likely... Uh, uh, Daniel's mom and dad were killed by them. Uh, he was castrated, castrated and used as a tool to help his captors. Wow. I say, wow. I say, that's a whole lot of stuff you could get bitter over. You could get bitter that they killed you. You could get bitter that they destroyed your country. You could get bitter that they burnt your city. You could get bitter they burn all your wealth of your house. You could get real bitter that they killed your mom and dad. You could get super bitter that they didn't allow you to have a family. You no longer were capable of having a family. They wiped out your offspring, potential offspring. Then you could get super, super califragilistically bitter. 
that they then used you to help them. Boy, the Bible says Daniel, he stood alone. Daniel purposed in his heart, Daniel 1.8, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. That was, a, that was really a life and death decision. You didn't disobey. You didn't, def- you didn't, this was an order of the king. Uh, you were going to do what he said or you were going to die. Life was cheap. And he decided, okay, I'm willing to die. So these five great men of God all had the same trait in common. I got to ask you a question this morning. Are you willing to stand alone? for the Lord Jesus Christ at work? Or do you hide the fact that you're a born-again believer? Do you conceal the fact that you're a born-again believer at FGCU? Oh, yeah, I had to do that. Or wherever you go to school. Or, or, or at elementary school. I love, we have a, we have a teacher, uh, uh, Paul and Sherry Chilson, that, that come here and and they, um, he teaches at Pinewood, fifth grade. And he, had, he called me up and he says, I got five of your bus kids in my class. He says, they were passing tracks out. So the principal said, you better go check that out. So he says, I didn't know what they were passing out, he says. So I went down to the one kid and I looked at the kid. I said, what are you doing? He showed it to me at Gospel Baptist Church. He said, keep doing it, son. I want you to cut that off the tape. I don't want to get him in trouble. I was thrilled about that. We had, we had a mother, uh, financial reasons and other reasons, took her child out of our school and had to put him in public school. And it's a sad day for us when that happens. He calls me up and says, a girl came in here and put her in my class. Uh, she's from Gospel Baptist. I said, great, good. Gospel Baptist Church. Well, help her, help her. Christian teacher? Or do you shut up under the pressure of, a, of the embarrassment or being put on the spot or called a Christian? Or do you wear a t-shirt that says John 3.16 in public? Are you willing to wear a hat that says man of faith? Girls don't wear it. But man of faith. You got a woman's version of that? Woman of faith? Okay. There's only two, you know. Do you withdraw in fear at the first confrontation when somebody challenges you? Yesterday, we went out and did all kinds of crazy stuff and putting, we, with them lawn stakes with a gospel on it, we put down in the yard, usually probably in the, in the, in the first 10 feet off the road is owned by the state, and but nevertheless, put them down. And we have some people say, you, you can't do that. That's illegal. That's against the law. Well, first thing you need to know is people don't know the law very well. And so, you know, maybe you said, well, well, maybe we ought to stop because somebody don't like it. These people would have never been mentioned had they had that attitude. Do you uh, rise up to defend the truth in the middle of your heathen friends? backslidden church members. I hate to say it, but we need to stand for the truth wherever it is. These men did. Secondly, the second thing that I noticed they had in common is God noticed them. God noticed them. 
Job was noticed by God and challenged by Satan. Noah was noticed by God and given grace to build the ark and to be, and the Bible says, a preacher of righteousness 120 years. Moses was noticed by God and shown the burning bush that would not be consumed and got to talk mouth to mouth, see God face to face. Wow. Give the law of God through him. Samuel was noticed by God and, and got to be called out into the night. Samuel, Samuel. Daniel was noticed by God and given the answer to Nebuchadnezzar's dream that he didn't even remember what the dream was. I love that. He went to his uh, soothsayers and magicians, and there is power in all that. He went to them. He says, tell me what my dream was. He says, well, tell us the dream. And we'll tell you. And they said, well, I can't remember the dream. You tell me the dream and then tell me the interpretation. How do you like that? And they go, well, nobody ever has asked anybody to do that. I mean, everybody gives us a dream. And then, oh, no. He said, if you really have the power, basically, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm adding to this, but if you have the power you think you have or say you have, you're going to be able to tell me the dream and the interpretation of the dream. And he went, and he said, they couldn't do it. And he said, nobody ever asked anybody to do that. And they said, okay, kill them all. This is who he was. Kill all of them. And the word, the soldier that came over to kill Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and beforehand, Daniel said, why is it such a rush? Well, you know, the king, okay, well, let me uh, have a time. So the word got back to the king. There was one from the captivity. His name could interpret the dream, give him a little time to pray, pray, God gave him the answer. He went to Nebuchadnezzar. Would, I bet Nebuchadnezzar, I love to have YouTubed his face. They got millions of hits, millions of hits. When, when Nebuchadnezzar was sitting there and Daniel said, well, the dream was this. And he told him the dream. And then he told him the interpretation of the dream. Also would have liked to have done a little YouTube of Daniel being pulled out of the lion's den. I also would have liked to have done a little YouTube of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire with one likened unto the Son of God walking with him. Oh. But you're never going to have, and I'm never going to have those kind of experiences if we don't have the same characteristics to please God. Stand alone for God. Stand alone. And God will notice you. He'll, you don't have to fret about that. God is watching you. Thirdly, all five men were put through great testings. I believe there's a high price for being noticed by God. And no one escapes here, nobody. You can say what you want verbally about God. You can brag about how you love Jesus. You can sing the songs of Zion. You can cry about those songs that make you sentimental. And that's all good, nothing wrong with it. But that's not enough for God. God is going to prove you and me through the fires of adversity. The hot flames of testing will come on you and pull the dross out of your commitment. That's the impurities out of your commitment. The impurities of your profession will come to the surface at the high temperature of God's fire. Job how did that happen to Job? He lost everybody but his wife. He lost his 10 children. He lost his reputation. He lost his wealth. And I wouldn't have wanted to have the friends he had. Noah lost everything. He lost the world he lived in, all the people he had met and had contact with, except an immediate family. Moses basically lost his whole life. He chose to go with God rather than to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
Samuel lost his mother's touch at a very early age and was given to Eli with Eli's kids there, which were evil boys, and lost the comfort of his father's fellowship and being raised by him. Daniel, he lost his whole family, possibly watched him kill, who knows. He lost his country, lost his manhood, he lost his potential children. Man, I don't know any more Daniel could have given for God than that. Now, who did that? God. Who did that? God did that. God let that happen. Why? Wanted to see if they were real. See, anybody can go around and say, I love Jesus and have tears come down, lip quiver, and it looks all real. But when the fire comes, where will you be? Where will I be? When the fire comes in your life. God's looking for people that are real. When a darkness seems to overtake you, when there seems to be no way out, when everything seems to be lost, God is there for you if you trust him. The fifth thing they had in commonality together was every one of them honored God. I have my notes here. They trusted in God. Job was blessed with twice of everything he had in Job chapter 42, verse 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. You keep living for God. You keep your commitment to God. Under the fire of his testing, you feel like you lose everything of value in this world, but you just keep your eyes on him. You stand with him. Like Job said in 13:15, Yea, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. You keep that kind of faith. You wait for the latter end. How would you like to live? Would you like to live with a bunch of fun and a bunch of laughter and a bunch of hoopla at the beginning of your life just to have the end of your life in horror? Or would you like to suffer at the beginning and pay a price at the beginning and then at the end have a wonderful ending? I'd always rather have a better ending than a better beginning. Amen, brother? Because the ending's going to last. I, I've, I've, for a vacation, I went to the Keys for 35 years. And lobster, caught lobster, shot fish, saw stuff, it's unbelievable. And we had some great times. I went down at one place, we had over 500 lobster at one spot. Many, many places had over 100, thousands of places had over 100. And we'd catch them, come up to the service, there's nothing quite like coming to the boat with a full bag of lobster, there's just nothing quite like it. And then on the way up, two or three groupers come over there because they like the lobster. So you get to shoot. You got your, you got your bag full of 50 lobster. You, got your, you, got your, you shoot a couple 20-pound grouper. You got them on one hand and the lobster on the other. And I know if you're not a hunter, you don't get this. But if you're a hunter, it don't get better than that. You come up to the surface. One time shot a 58-pound black grouper. Man, I came to the surface. You ought to have seen the eyes of those people. I wish I could have YouTubed it. There wasn't a you and there wasn't a tube back then. And let me tell you something. You live for God. All those things of 35 years are done and over. The things that weren't committed to God and the things that weren't for God will never come back. But the things that you do for God in this life and dedicate, for him, dedicate to Him, you're going to see at the latter end. The latter end 
of Job was better. That's what you want. You want your latter end. You've had a tough start. You've had a tough a few uh, 30, 40 years. It's okay. Keep trusting God. You're in the fire, but you'll be out. How did, by the way, Noah became the father of the brand new world. Moses became the hero of his nation. If you go to the Jews today and say, what's the greatest man that ever lived? They'll say Moses. Samuel became known as the greatest priest that Israel ever produced. Daniel outlasted the kings and empires and nations to see the power of God in the future. He got to see stuff we didn't even know. We don't even know about the future, what was coming in the world. All these five men had these things in common. They stood alone for God. God noticed them. All had great testimonies of troubles and testings. All faced great disappointments in their life, but all five were mightily honored by God. How are they doing now? I think they're doing good. I'm here in 2019 talking about them. How would you like to have such a testimony that 2,500 years later, people are in a group, in a building, in a land you didn't know existed, talking about the virtues of your life for God. Oh, what an honor that is, eh? Hey, Collier, people, people of, of great importance try to name stuff after him, like Collier County, you know, they try to name Collier. He, he made a deal with the state of Florida so he could name that and have that as a county after his name. Collier's long gone. Pretty soon the uh, uh, liberals will come in and change the name because somehow it was uh, sexist or racist or something. Nobody puts his name on something and it's going to be permanent. I've heard talk of, of tearing down uh, some of our national monuments. Doesn't surprise me. But brother, what you do for God's going to last. It's going to last. What an honor. By the way, if I may say this as I close, you can be one of these. You and I have no reason why we can't be like this. By God's grace, he wants you to be this way. Young person, you can choose Jesus this morning and be like one of these five. You can live your life for him, trust in him. Choose Jesus. Die to your expectations, your dreams of this world. I, I hear this all the time in the world. Oh, oh, follow your dreams. Your dreams have no significance. Oh, I know I'm going to break your bubble here. Let me break your bubble. But your dreams have no significance. Only God's dreams have significance. Your dreams aren't going to last. Like a bubble that you go, it's going to go out there and go pop and be gone, and nobody will even remember you ever existed 100 years from now. But if you live for God and do his dream for your life, and you follow his will for your life, 500 years from now, God and his angels and his people will know who you are. I just talked about Martin Luther. Martin Luther was a nobody. He was a, he was a one guy. He was, a, he, was, he was poor as a church mouse. I mean, actually, this is poor as a church mouse. And a church mouse is real poor. And we're talking about Martin Luther. And you can go down through history and with the people you talk about, are those who sacrificed for God that really made a difference. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe there's a Daniel in this auditorium this morning. Maybe I got to shake his hand. 
Who knows? Maybe there's a Job. Maybe there's a Moses. Maybe. You don't know who's in that Sunday school class teacher. You don't know who you pick up on the bus, bus, bus captains. You, you, you just don't know. Maybe one of these young people is going to say yes to God in a depth that these men said yes. Well, that's good. May God make it may God make it so. Father, thank you tonight. Thank you this morning for the words of God that have been put in the Bible for us that we can review it. And Father, we pray that you'd help us as born again Christians. My, oh my. These men never got mad at you. They never got angry at you. They never blamed you for all of the loss and all of the trouble and all of the sacrifice, the change of plans in their lives. Woo! They just trusted you day by day, put one foot in front of the other and said, I'm going to trust God on this. Lord Jesus, help us to be that way. And we don't know what the future holds in these people in this auditorium, the ones goes over the internet. This message, we don't know what's going to happen. But we do know there is a God in heaven that cares about us. And His Son of Jesus Christ, who died on the old rugged cross, shed His blood, and the third day was resurrected and abolished death. Conquered death. And now offers salvation through simple childlike faith in His death, burial, and resurrection for us. Maybe you're here without Christ, your Savior. Why don't today you say, why don't you choose Jesus today? Why don't you say yes to Jesus? You say, Brother Bill, if I died, I don't know where I'd go. I don't. I've never had anybody really explain to me the gospel. I've never taken the time to have it explained to me. But I sure would love it if somebody would explain it to me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't do this very often. But there'll be someone in the room this morning who say, Brother Bill, pray for me. Pray for me. I'll not, let you, I'll not embarrass you. I'll not make it known. Would you pray for me? I want to I know Christ is my Savior. I need some help. I'll not embarrass you in any way. I promise you. Is anybody in here this morning say, but raise hand. Brother Bill, pray for me. I would like to pray for you and ask God to give you strength to go forward. You may say, Brother Bill, God's touched me this morning. The Holy Spirit's whispered to me this morning to live a life like these men. Uplifted hands, say, Brother Bill, that's me, that's me. Yes, amen, amen, amen. Many hands, many hands. God bless you. May God, you do a mighty work which we know not. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.